We are live. So here we are, another mm -hmm. episode of Louisiana Watch. And, you know, yes. do you think anybody will log in and watch this show tonight? I mean, this well, isn't I, a Bozier watch. This is a Louisiana watch. I don't know. That's a good question. Will uh, will we be talking to ourselves and the crickets here or just our guest? I, I don't even see anybody showing up yet, but we'll see. It may it takes them a few minutes to find it. Let's make sure that the um, make sure that the Facebook notifications and all that are going. And then pretty quickly, we'll go ahead and do the countdown because our guest is on a time constraint a little bit, and that's fine. So let's I, see. Oh, we, we got have, one guest. Yeah, I I have gotten no notifications, not on Twitter or uh, even even Facebook. So, I'm trying um, desperately to see if we're live. Let so, there's go. a couple of people. It's starting to generate. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, a couple of folks coming in. So, uh, hey, where y'all seeing us at? You're on YouTube, or you on Twitter, or you on Facebook? Uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, glad to see a few people here. There we go. Um, There's Christopher James Norris and Val Baker waving and saying hi. So I'll go ahead and put those comments up there. Good to have you all this evening. All right. Uh, make sure and share and tag some friends. And, you know, everybody's used to us being on the Bozier Watch side. So let everybody know that we're in on the Louisiana Watch side. I'm going to check YouTube real quick. And I don't want to belabor the point, but for just another minute, we'll do the countdown and then we'll get right into our guests. And we're going to solve insurance tonight, dude. I don't know that we're going to solve insurance because if we were to solve insurance, we would be able to put Alan Seaball and, you know, Ryan Gaddy and those types just completely out of politics if we were able to do that. All right. So we are live on... Uh... We are live on YouTube as well, so that's a good thing. And we probably are on Twitter. I didn't even check Twitter yet. All right, All right. so it's going to be a slow night, so let's yeah. uh, go to our countdown. We'll share it out a little bit. And uh, we've got a guest from, you know, the Louisiana Department of – I was going to say the Louisiana Department of Insurance. but uh, He's from is, the insurance people down in Baton Rouge. How about he's that? He's one of the insurance people that's going to save <laughs> all of us all this money and, and make insurance affordable for everybody, and he's going to fix all There will all be the butterflies problems. and rainbows and bunnies running around with the insurance. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. All but, right, so but folks. But we're go also going to get into all that Shreveport. So if, if you live in Caddo Parish and you get your water from the city of Shreveport, guess what? You know, double billing. You know, that, yeah. that dreaded word that apparently that's uh, the deal in Shreveport. And so we're going to really get down in the weeds. We're going to show you uh, what happened this week at uh, Shreveport City Council meeting and uh, the allegations of continued double billing. And is the city of Shreveport fixing to get into a federal lawsuit again? Mm, that could be interesting. All right. We're going to go ahead and do the countdown and the break. So, folks, uh, kind of shorten the countdown just a little bit. So we'll be back in about two and a half minutes. Make sure and tag and share this out. Text some people. Do whatever you got to do. And uh, let's get some more people viewing this because we're talking insurance tonight and possible Shreveport shenanigans going on. We'll be right back.
This live broadcast is brought to you by Eagle Truck Center, soaring to new heights. The Outdoor News, fishing and outdoors for our area. Acadiana Mortgage, over 23 years in the mortgage business. Smarter Geek, making technology easier. And the many supporters, donations, and folks sharing information and watching out. Now, grab your popcorn and a drink. Here we go. And we made it. You caught me. I was I was still sharing. Well, I was st- <laughs> I'm still busy tapping away here on my phone. Um, so we're going to talk insurance. We got, uh, I don't know, about, about 20 people across all platforms probably watching the show. So it's starting to grow. All right. I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest. How about that? Yeah, let's get him in, and uh, that way we can we know he's pressed for time. So let's get right to it. And uh, hello, Mister Ford. Thank you for coming on. Duke and Rex, thanks for having me. I'm sure that uh, some guy from the insurance department talking insurance is a major draw for y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> it should be just an interesting conversation. We I'm promise we didn't it. promote it as uh, insurance. We promise it, it didn't happen, but. All right. So we were jokingly saying that you, you're going to tell us that you're going to be able to fix all woes of everybody, both residential, commercial, all aspects of insurance in Louisiana. You have all the answers, right? Well, I'm glad you started off by saying it was a joke, right? Uh, <laughs> we do have, I will tell you, we have some really strong plans for this coming session uh, since Commissioner Temple's taken office in January. Uh, not only session and legislative changes, but also some things he could do under his existing authority. He's made some regulatory changes over the past six weeks or so, um, all based on things he's heard uh, directly from the industry and in in conversations with other stakeholders that he thinks and we think are are actually going to make a kind of a loud statement that Louisiana is taking the insurance crisis we have here seriously. And that's not just homeowners insurance and uh, commercial property, but also, you know, personal uh, personal auto and commercial trucking, pretty much any any line of insurance that anybody has anything to do with, uh, it costs too much and it's hard to find. Well, let me ask you this. So that's a perfect segue into really kind of my first question, and that's what exactly can the commissioner of insurance do to affect rates or insurance in the state? And I'm painting a real broad picture there across all insurance. But what exactly can can the commissioner do? What do you all have the power or legal authority to do? So there's it, that's right. So there's two paths. Basically, there's there's things he can basically do under his existing authority. Uh, those are some regulatory changes that and I'll give you some examples of what he's done so far. Uh, and then separately, uh, there's regulations and, and changes to law that he can advocate for through the through the legislature. Uh, so some things he's already done, some regulatory changes he's made under um, his existing power. Uh, one of the, the things we're doing is in the past, uh, there's been a perception that if you're an insurance company and you uh, make a kind of a mistake that violates the of regulation or that we have on the books, but really there's no harm to a consumer uh, that whenever we reach out to you the first time, it's, it's to come after you and hit you with the fine. Uh, and so what he's decided to do is kind of take it in a more uh, friendly direction and give you a chance to self-report minor violations that don't harm consumers. And instead of hitting you with the fine, we'll get you to submit a plan of action that can actually demonstrate how you're going to correct the issue moving forward. And hopefully that's kind of a signal that, you know, we're more friendly to entry. We want you to, to do business here. 
another major change, this one's actually uh, very significant. Uh, in the past, the, uh, the law has allowed the commissioner to decide whether, uh, how many times per year an insurance company can adjust their, their rates. Uh, under the previous administration, that was generally once per year. Uh, last session, the law was changed to prevent the insurance commissioner from, uh, from using time as a reason to not be able to adjust your rates. And I think the best example of why that's not good would be, uh, so back in 2021, whenever inflation started to hit pretty hard, uh, if, you, if you were an insurance company and you submitted your rates early in the year uh, before inflation hit and the building material costs went up so high and you, know, you get to post hurricane, you're not, you weren't able to adjust your rates up to compensate for the difference. So uh, a lot of insurance companies basically uh, at the beginning of the year didn't project for the, the kind of historic amount of inflation we ended up with later on in that year. So uh, moving forward, we're, we're, the legislature made the change and we're gonna advertise it that like any other business, uh, whenever you need to change your prices in order to, to meet the, the changing demands of the economy, you're, you're gonna be able to do that. Uh, similarly, we're switching from a, a rate filing system called prior approval, where you submit your rate changes to the department and then we have to actively approve them before you can use them to a file and use system where you have to send it to us for us to review, but you can go ahead and begin using those new rates before we give final approval on them, which on one hand, you know, there's, there's a chance that you have to go, the insurance company has to go back and adjust those. Um, the problem on them is if they don't do a good job, that's actually a big burden on the insurance company to refile, retract those documents and rates. Um, so it really incentivizes them to do a good job in the first place. Well, well, yeah. the, all the things that you just said, it it y'all are taking action on them, so you think that they will make a difference. All of those things seem to me to be things that that uh, are common sense things. Why have those not been considerations before? And if if those are things that will make a difference in insurers coming to Louisiana and providing insurance or not. That seems really simple. Why, why are we just now doing that? Well, it's a regulatory, I'm sorry, a philosophical difference on regulation. Uh, these, these sorts of things vary state to state. Uh, and I would say that there's not much alignment with political leadership or anything like that. It's just some states have done things a certain way for a long time and other states do things other ways. And uh, I think there's probably about 15 states that had the same rate filing system that we used previously. So moving to the file and use uh, system that I talked about is I believe the way everything's trending. Uh, but I guess I would just say, as y'all probably know, uh, state government can move slow. So sometimes when you get a change in leadership in with a different regulatory philosophy, we can make some changes and, uh, and that's it. It's really just a change in leadership that's, that's decided to move us in a different direction. So how do y'all go about determining what the rates that the insurance companies should set what those rates should be so let me i'll just throw out the example of car insurance or vehicle insurance so just you know quick anecdotal stuff i can literally move 30 miles into east texas change my residence get texas insurance i have state farm and pay half the rate literally for the same coverage so how does the insurance commissioner or, or you know the 
the department that y'all y'all handle, how do y'all go about determining what these rates that insurance companies can set will be, whether it's vehicle insurance or whatever? Well, first I'll say I actually moved from here to Texas in 2018 and was there for about two and a half years. So I felt the pain of coming back uh, on the insurance prices. Uh, I will say, so it's important to know that the insurance department, the insurance commissioner, we don't set rates, uh, period. What we do is our role is to review and approve or deny um, rates that the insurance companies file with us. Um, basically, statute says we have to make sure that insurance rates are not um, excessive or unfairly discriminatory. Um, and so our role is simply to, to review what they send us. And as long as there's a process called actuarial justification, and we employ several actuaries here at the department, uh, they review what the insurance companies send us and determine if what they're asking for kind of meets their need to manage their risk effectively. Uh, and under, under, the, uh, under Commissioner Temple, there was before Commissioner Temple, there was kind of a, a profit cap in place to where the department would say, you know, we're not going to allow you to make more than X percent in profit. And so that would be an example of a reason a rate might be denied. Um, Commissioner Temple is pulling that profit cap away uh, to encourage more uh, insurance companies to write here, because obviously the more companies we have doing business here, the more competition we have. And ultimately, whenever you go to find an auto insurance policy or homeowner's policy, if you have twice as many quotes to choose from, uh, you should have a lot more options and hopefully are able to find one that fits what you're looking for a little bit better. Okay. Duke. Yeah. So look, Hey, I appreciate you taking all these questions and um, you know, a couple of more, I think, you know, I think people uh, up here from North Louisiana, now you're, you're kind of a central Louisiana guy uh, we learned, but uh, you know, that makes you a Yankee like the rest of us up here. So anyway, uh, you know, some people think they say, well, why should I have insurance, you know, and, and I'm put into the same boat with folks that are getting their houses blown away by hurricanes down there and then the Gulf Coast? Shouldn't there be a different rating schedule or why should we all be thrown in the same bag? And I know from commercial insurance business, one of my businesses, you know, uh, one of the comparisons was they're giving you a rate based off of if you were in New Orleans. Well, we're 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 half Texas here. Why should we be compared to New Orleans? So on those two subjects, I mean, delve off in that a little bit. Well, so it kind of is different depending on which line we're talking about. So I'll talk about a couple. So on the auto insurance side, and you know, I think whether commercial or, or personal uh, private passenger auto, which is what most people have on their personal vehicles. Uh, I would kind of say, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's true that, uh, North versus South makes much of a difference on the auto side. Uh, and I'm speaking more on the personal side right now. I think um, your proximity to a, maybe a high crime area versus a not so high crime area is probably the main factor in what you're gonna pay. Uh, the negative factors in Louisiana uh, that are driving generally higher rates overall are kind of statewide issues, whether it's a regulatory environment, which is what we're aiming at, at changing both under existing authority and, and then later on this year in session, but also trying to get some reform in the legal environment to make it uh, not seem like you're, I, I believe the, the stat is uh, for every claim that's filed in Louisiana, uh, each claim is three times, about three times more likely to experience a lawsuit 
than uh, in other states. So uh, we've been called a judicial hellhole every year for the past several years, uh, which is a, a large, uh, it's, it's the opposite of a magnet for bringing companies here. Uh, on the commercial trucking side, I think it's similar. I, I don't think it's a north and south issue. It's just a, you know, I think we only have one or two insurance companies even riding in the commercial market. Uh, and so that's why we're trying to attract more companies. Uh, on the homeowner side, that's a bit different, of course, because like you were indicating, uh, South Louisiana is obviously far more close to the Gulf, much more likely to experience damage after a hurricane. Um, and I think that is reflected uh, in the rates for homeowners and commercial insurance when it comes to the wind and hail portion of the premium, which is, it varies, but it usually probably makes up about 40% of your total premium. So what you end up with is about 60% of your premium is, I would say, driven by statewide factors, like I mentioned earlier in auto. And then that 40% is going to vary pretty wildly. And I think most insurance companies cut the state into three portions, uh, coastal exposure, kind of central, and then northern. Um, and then when you get up towards Shreveport, I think they probably factor in a bit more tornado exposure, which I would say is probably not that significant relative to the hurricane exposure on, in, on along the coast. Um, but I'll tell you, I've been hearing from folks in the New Orleans region uh, for the past year and a half whose homeowner's insurance has gone from like 2000 a year to like 6000 or 7000 a year. So, I mean, they're really hurting down there on homeowners. Um, and we've heard several stories from people who are can't afford their, their insurance. So they're trying to sell their house, but then they can't sell their house because the buyer can't afford the insurance. So it's kind of this really, really vicious cycle that we're working to um, to do our best to bring in some competition and drive and stabilize those rates. So that's a good uh, statement there because that segues into uh, our good friend, Michael Ferris is in the comments and his question is why do insurance companies shy away from doing business in Louisiana, even though the premiums we pay are absurdly high is his question is Napoleonic law and influencer on this, but that's kind of a segue to that is our secondary question to that is you mentioned that some of the insurance companies have left Louisiana. So, yeah, I mean, why are they leaving Louisiana? You would think with the premium so high here that, you know, it would be attractive to companies to come in here. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Hurricane Laura, Hurricanes Laura, Delta, Zeta, and Ida. Uh, those insurance companies that were affected by those hurricanes that had a lot of business down in coastal Louisiana, uh, they took in about $2 billion in premium over those 13 months. And they paid out 800,000 claims for $24.5 billion. So a lot of those companies had just kind of caught up after Katrina and Rita to where, you know, they had, they had taken in premium and then the amount of damage they, or I should say the amount of losses they had to cover from Katrina and Rita, it took them several years to catch up to where uh, they had kind of stabilized the market and they've gotten to a kind of a healthy position from a profit perspective. So they catch up, you know, they put it, they spend, uh, they, they take in 2 billion in premiums and they get with, get hit with 10 and a half, 10 and a half times that in losses. Uh, so the answer to the question is, uh, even with these really high premiums, uh, because of the amount of losses they're sustaining, and really it's kind of an unpredictable uh, environment with the hurricane exposure, uh, it's still not worth it. Now, what I can tell you is if they were making a lot of money by doing business here, they'd be doing a lot more business here. So they're, they're kind of a net loss right now because of the coastal exposure. And so that's why and we haven't talked about this yet, but that's a big reason why we're pushing the fortified roof program so hard. 
and not just the fortified roof grant program, but also encouraging folks who can do it to fortify their roofs uh, on their own with, you know, if they can afford to do that or to utilize other federal grant programs uh, to do it. Because if you can keep your roof on your house in a hurricane uh, or that, I don't want to say that, I don't think the, the fortified roof is going to do much if you take a direct hit from a tornado, but in a hurricane uh, claim, if you can keep the roof on your house, you're going to see, I mean, that claim is going to go from extremely costly to minimal. And so if we can get a, a, a high uh, number of roofs in South Louisiana, especially to get this increased standard called the fortified standard, um, I think you'll see a really dramatic change in terms of the risk that we have down there and the number of insurers that are willing to write business there. All right. So I want to switch back to auto insurance again, because uh, pretty much everybody can relate to auto insurance. So back in 2019, there was a big deal with what was that? HB 372, the Omnibus Premium Reduction Act of 2019. And uh, Senator, or former Senator, State Senator Ryan Gaddy, and then Representative Alan Seaball came up to the Republican Executive Committee here in Bossier and both gave presentations. And there was a big to-do over tort reform versus premium reform and and all that. Um, they were talking about using credit ratings for determining people's insurance and whether that was good or bad. So can you talk a little bit about that situation? And, you know, I, here we are five or six years later after they, I forget which bill they ended up passing. And I think most of us would agree that the insurance situation as a whole is not any better. So specific to the tort reform legislation, um, and I'll tell you, the, the previous commissioner actually caught a lot of flack because there's this video where he said, you know, if we pass this, and I, I think he estimated maybe a 20% reduction in rates, which uh, he had done kind of off the cuff, and he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't really trying to be too specific. But what, they, what you don't hear from the folks who like to share that clip is that that tort reform bill, which was a comprehensive tort reform bill, was vetoed by Governor Edwards. So what they did is they came back and passed... Um, something that was considered, I guess, compromise tort reform, but that I would say that the folks that had been pushing tort reform would consider uh, relatively insignificant toward making a real difference. And so uh, that's the history of the tort reform side. And I think we're uh, not tort reform necessarily, but this session, we're going to be pushing some some changes to the claims process that we hope will drive down the need for lawsuits so that the folks who are having whose insurance company is mistreating them have a very clear path to, to showing why they're being mistreated and getting the money that they're owed because that's the primary mission of the department. But secondarily, um, we see in a lot of cases where sometimes some people are encouraged to contact an attorney even before they contact their insurance company. And so you'll have too many lawsuits. And so what we're trying to do is reduce some unnecessary lawsuits uh, to and clarify the entire claims process in terms of deadlines, in terms of uh, satisfactory proof of loss, which is essentially what the homeowner has to give the um, insurance company uh, to show the amount of loss they have uh, for the for the claim payment. Uh, and once we clarify that, we believe that we'll see a reduction in those unnecessary lawsuits that really just drag out the process for the homeowner. And with the amount of money that they end up having to pay the, uh, the attorney, I don't really know that they're coming out ahead anyway. Um, so that's the tort reform piece of it. On the credit score side with auto insurance, uh, 
as a regulator, we don't really take too strong of a position one way or the other as to whether um, or to what extent, you know, insurance companies should or should not be using credit rating or any other factor to determine uh, an individual's rate. Uh, that's more of a legislative question. So as long as it's, it's legal uh, to do that, we're just going to do our best to make sure that they're doing it appropriately and not not being unfairly discriminatory to anyone. Uh, what we've heard from the insurance industry over the past several years is that all the rates they come up with and I guess the factors they use in determining a rate, it's pretty much just driven by the data they have on the back end. So, you know, they, they collect all like all these other big companies. Now they collect all this data from their customers and they plug it into a model. And uh, there's always a chance that the model's not right or that needs to be tweaked or addressed. And so that's why I'm not sitting here endorsing using credit scores. I, I'm not endorsing that, but right now it's legal. And so it's just our job to make sure that they're, they're whatever they're using, they're doing it within the law and they're not treating anybody illegally or unfairly. Well, I, I would say this, I can tell you from a commercial standpoint, it's been my experience that, uh, a credit rating per se, or in insurance companies look for any excuse to justify giving you a high rate. They look for any excuse to do it, you know, and I say that from the standpoint of a trucking insurance rate, you know, one year it's, well, you've got a little bit of a mark on your CSA score. You're not perfect. Well, then the next year you're perfect. And then they say, well, the market's off, you know, that, that just don't have the weight that it had before. And, you know, and then the next year, well, if say you did have a driver that, you know, broke the speed limit a little bit, there is a blemish that hits your CSA. Well then, Hey, they, they got their one excuse to hook you up again. And I don't know, I, I just, we talked uh, before the show starts. I think that there, even for commercial, there needs to be an insured bill of rights, you know, even for commercial insurance, where there's a minimum set of standards that if someone from Louisiana applies for insurance, this is what they should get. And it, it shouldn't be that we have to go filing complaints to y'all's office and y'all have to go, you know, putting a hammer on them. Um, the, they should be kind of regulated through policy right out of the gate. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And I would say that those difficulties, which are probably worse in commercial trucking than any other line right now, just because of the, I believe we, I think we have some, it's in either one or two companies actively riding commercial, uh, commercial uh, auto. And so I, while we only have one or two there, you know, and homeowners in certain parts of the state, you're talking about maybe three or four. There was a period of time, um, I want to say probably the summer of 2022 through mid 2023, where if you lived in the coast, you basically had citizens, which is the state's insurer of last resort. It's not a private, it's not a private market company. It's, it's a private, it's, it's, it's a state created entity, uh, but it is a private company. But anyway, point is you didn't have any options. And so what I was getting at is I think that what you're talking about where, you know, your insurance company one year says, oh, it's this. And the next year says, oh, it's that. I think ultimately that's the result of an incredibly unhealthy insurance marketplace. And by that, I mean, if you don't have anybody else to go to, or if it's just, you know, there's two insurance companies that are riding there and you're bouncing back and forth between them, there's really no incentive for those companies to go out, go out of their way to, uh, you know, give you a really great experience. And so that's kind of why our, our, all of our 
initiatives, whether they're regulatory changes that we've already made or regulatory or legal or legislative reforms that we're going to be advocating for at session this year, they are all aimed at attracting insurance companies that are not doing business here to do business here and to encourage the ones that are doing business here on a limited basis to expand their riding to the extent that they're not going to, you know, get too risky or anything like that uh, or get overexposed in the parts of the state that are most susceptible to a hurricane. So I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, Duke. And, uh, and in terms of the, I think I mentioned earlier, we have a, something called a policyholder bill of rights, which it's more aimed, I believe, I mean, it's not actually aimed at homeowners, but effectively, I think it was written with homeowners in mind. Um, but I think that, you know, now's the time that there's, there's never been as much focus on insurance legislation, the insurance industry, insurance regulation, maybe in our state's history. I mean, even after Katrina and Rita, uh, a lot of that damage was caused by flooding, which is actually federally regulated. So the state government did not have as much of a role to play in stabilizing the market as we do right now uh, when we're having all these property damage issues and auto and auto insurance issues. And what I'm getting at is you or any of your viewers who want to see some legislative change, uh, you are never going to have a better opportunity to call your legislator, tell them what you're what you're looking for and uh, present that as maybe potential legislation this year. So. I always encourage folks to reach out to the legislature and, and they can always reach out to us too. We're happy to listen and uh, consider stuff for our legislative package or at the very least connect you with your local legislator uh, or, you know, educate you about what's already out there. Uh, but that's something that we encourage people to do. Well, I know it's uh, about 7.30 and you were kind of under a little time limitation. So I appreciate you, e even though we didn't solve the insurance problem in Louisiana <laughs> tonight in 30 minutes, <laughs> I want to thank you for spending a little time with us and maybe we can get you on in the future and uh, discuss it some more and actually solve that, the blasted problem. Well, you know, they say after a conversation, you got to wait a few weeks to see if you solve the problem. So, so let's check back in maybe, you know, mid-March and we can figure out if we did solve the problem. We just don't know it yet. But either way, I'd be happy to come back on and talk to y'all. It's It's been fun. And uh, if any of your viewers have any questions for the department, um, they're welcome to shoot me an email at it's john.ford, names right there, uh, at ldi.la.gov, or they can give me a call, 225-342-4950. Um, I'm always happy to talk to folks and, uh, you know, I'm not telling you I can get you a better rate on your insurance policy, but at the very least, we can tell you what we're working on to try to improve things in the market. And uh, we are, we love hearing from people and, um, and every time you, that uh, we get a call, we return it and we, we do our best to help. So thanks again. I appreciate it. All right. All right thanks you, for coming on, John. Well, well, I could, I, I don't know. Does that make me weird? I could talk to that dude about insurance all night long. <laughs> you know, we're getting down, getting down. It's kind of like talking to Jeff Sadow about numbers and all that. We can get down in the weeds and just stay there because there's so much to talk about. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, kind of one of those wonky things, but everybody can relate to the insurance problem, especially you on the commercial side and you know, you and Kara with the mortgage company, y'all are dealing with it on, you know, the homeowner side and dealing with homes and that sort of thing. I mean, everybody can relate to it. But but I will tell you, you know, my experience in business, the worst experience of business has been insurance. That yeah. it, that's been the worst of all of it. Yeah, that's that you said that over and over and over and 
you know, like you said, it's cheaper for you to move your business out of state. And that's just stupid. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Kara, Kara says, do away with the brokers. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, obviously it's a complicated problem. And um, I don't know. Hopefully, with a new governor and a uh, motivated legislature down there and a new insurance commissioner, maybe there will be some movement for us consumers on the insurance side. Maybe so. Well, I, yeah, I will. I will tell you, Rex, I, I, you know, I did Mr. Ford's uh, recommendation. I did uh, kind of do something that he said. Oh, what did you do? I made a phone call to uh, and made a recommendation down to the governor's office. Oh, yeah. Well, they can call us. They can call a special session for crime and everything else. They need to call a special session, special session for, for insurance. insurance. Yeah, I would that agree. Right. <laughs> I would agree. We need to talk to that new governor down there about that. <laughs> Get them to call the special session for insurance. All right. So we, yeah, we can absolutely beat that. Well, not really dead horse all night. But what else do we want to talk about tonight on Louisiana Watch? Well, look. I mean, tonight it's going to be the the city of Shreveport pate. Hmm, that they, sounds interesting. Yeah, they, uh, you know, we were talking about over here in Bozier, you know, a little bit about water and sewer and, and some of the problems going on in Bozier. But boy, Shreveport, they, they got them a show enough mess on their hands. Well, so, you know, over here in Bozier, they're kind of, I don't want to say sneaky, but they're a little more sly, shall we say, uh, than Shreveport. Shreveport just straight up, I mean, they're not even sly about it or slick about it at all. Well, you you may not be going to believe this, but what we're fixing to cover here, David Montgomery may be, I mean, he may be a genius. That's okay. That's a stretch. I'm what? just saying he he may be a genius because we're just you're going to have to see y'all are going to have to see what I'm talking about. We just got we got to go to that council meeting. So the yeah, beginning me... of this week, um, the city of Shreveport had an administrative uh, council meeting, right? Okay, and you had various members of the public that came and were speaking, and 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 right out of the gate, you had somebody that is familiar with Shreveport and somebody that Shreveport is familiar with, uh, an attorney, an attorney by the name of Jerry Harper. And Mr. Harper, he, uh, he walks up to the mic and I don't know if you would call this, uh, he walks up to the mic and just drops it, but he shown up, walked (laughs) up to the mic and dropped something. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so uh, let's hit play and let's listen to this. Now, I've got this in multi-mode deal, so if you want to stop it, you should be able to, but we'll see. All right, here we go. I see that guy with the hat back there. Oh, the cat and hat is everywhere.
we thought we were seeing that came across our desk at the time. Uh, despite the almost complete success that we had making the All right, Rex. Uh, well, well, I, st I stopped it right there. We've got two reports of people saying that they can't yeah, hear. I just, I literally just pulled it up on my phone on Facebook um, and could hear it fine. So I'm not sure who can, who out there, let us know in the comments real quick, uh, especially if you're on YouTube and or Facebook. Yeah, Christopher James Norris is on Facebook. He can hear perfectly. Judy, uh, Val, y'all may want to refresh your screen. Again, I just checked it literally on my phone and could hear it. And Christopher James Norris says he can hear. Kara, are you saying you can hear it on Facebook? Is that correct? Yeah. Maybe, so maybe it's just a Shreveport thing. Maybe, maybe only Shreveport folks can hear it. Uh, Donna Bartlett says she can hear it. So uh, those of you that can't hear, maybe get out of Facebook and swipe out of it if you're on your phone and come back into it or refresh your screen. All right. Yeah, so uh, basically, and, and we'll watch for some of those to come out and come back in, but so basically, you know, this was uh, the attorney, Mr. Harper, who had filed the lawsuit, you know, against the city of Shreveport. He, he won four of the five uh, lawsuits. A large amount of money was uh, put into an account, you know, for people that they couldn't determine who it was that had been overbilled or not. And as a result of that, I believe that the city of Shreveport has been under a consent decree, meaning that they had to correct their problems and they had to, you know, uh, provide services, you know, the way they're supposed to. So, you know, he shows up today and he goes through all of this and he is basically letting them know that, we got a problem. And so if everybody is back, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll hit the play button and start right here at the uh, 1231 mark. And we'll see how it goes this time. All right, let's do it. So I'm going to stop it. So not only, not only did, did they continue to overbill, they found new ways to overbill. And, new and, way, new and inventive ways to do it. 
Yeah, I think previously one of their their deals was they were rounding up and rounding down, or, or not. They weren't rounding down; they were just rounding up. You know, well, they stopped doing that, but they found other ways to start overbilling people, <laughs> and apparently, this guy's figured it out. Well, so, but here's the interesting thing. Um, so the other day on Keel on the Mike and McCarty show, I always got to want to call it the Robert Aaron show. Arsenal was on there and I'm not quoting him verbatim at all. I'm paraphrasing, but basically Arsenal said he was not aware of any of these billing issues until he came up. This guy came up to the meeting and also, they have one of the guys that's in charge of the meter reading and all that in Shreveport, and he said he's not aware of any of this as well. And he pretty much claimed, I'd have to go back and listen to that radio segment, but he much uh, pretty much claimed that, you know, there, there's not any overbilling or they're not skipping meters and, and all that, and they'll be going to smart meters in about a year, which would eliminate the overbilling by not reading the meters. So I, according to the administration, let's put it that way, they weren't aware of any of this till he got up there to speak. I find well, that interesting. Well, that that is in this video. And because I think it was uh, Councilman Bowman tried to, you know, t twice she kind of tried to steer it towards the current mayor. And, and Arsenault acknowledged at one point in this video saying, look, it uh it it was not us. He said, I, I'm learning about it just the same as you are right here today. And you know, we'll we'll get to that. And they they discussed in depth about the smart meter and whether it would or whether it not fix the problem. And I think it was Councilman Bowman to her credit said, So what you're saying is is if it's accurate that there is over billing going, you mean that the citizens of Shreveport are going to continue, some are going to continue to get overbilled potentially for the next year until they may or may not get their smart meter. And and it may or may not fix it even after that, to yeah. which the city attorney replied, that's correct. <laughs> so, well, yeah, uh, I don't know. This is a complicated deal. All right. Do we so, have another soundbite to queue up? Oh, we got a bunch because yeah. this thing is deep. So, so this attorney, you know, Harper, he says in 2021, he sent a letter to, you know, the existing administration or, you know, of the city and he never got a response. Now, admittedly, he said, you know, I sent it to the council for the city, you know, the, the lawyers for the city, but by default, I mean, there's no way the city attorney or the mayor or the CAO who's, you know, he's running for sheriff, didn't have right. knowledge of this. I mean, mm. just it's inconceivable that they weren't notified. And I got to tell you, today I was sitting here thinking, I said, you know, we might need to file some public information requests for emails or correspondence, but they would probably cite attorney-client privilege. But yeah, since... So. Since now, you know, this is a, an issue, I mean, I would think any correspondence to the mayor or then mayor or CAO advising them of, of this letter, I, I think that would be public, you know, public mm, information. That, it that, should be. I mean, they may want, they may try to claim work product and all that, but maybe not. I mean, maybe they're, uh, 
maybe they're not as tight-lipped as they tend to be on this side of the river. Yeah, so and, and I'm going to I'm going to shorten summarize some of what, you know, Mr. Harper said, you know, he said that the the biggest discrepancy that they saw in the way that they they seen it was basically a failure to read the meters that just the water department is just literally not going out there and reading the meters, not reading mm -hmm. them at all. And but, that's funny because, yeah, because like I said, on the, on the keel show, the guy that came on, that's literally in charge of that. And, and I think he was put in after this consent decree deal or whatever happened a couple of years ago, but he said, no, that's, you know, uh, there might, I'm putting words in his mouth, but he said, basically, there might be an isolated case of that, but certainly there it's not ongoing. And if anybody is having that happen, reach out to him directly because, you know, he claimed that it was well, he, shocking I, news he, to him anyway. I, I think the guy is on, I think he's on this video here in the end and we'll get to him, him and it'll be interesting to say, I mean, look, they're going to have to say that they can't say, oh, we have this problem or acknowledge it or say that that ain't what they can do. But, you know, Mr. Harper goes on to say that some people are getting overbilled to the tune of two to even three times what their bill should actually be. And, wow. you know, so after he made these allegations, you know, the chairman, I think is chairman green, councilman green, he asked basically, are you going to sue? Well, well, let's listen to that soundbite. Yeah. Go ahead and cue it up. And basically, he, you know, he asked the question about the smart meters to which you were talking about. And he said, you know, it, he, he thinks that it will help, but he doesn't know that it will uh, solve all of the problems. So Councilman Taylor, I mean, she she really hones in on the point because earlier he said, you know, he, he said that basically there's people being treated different ways in Shreveport. So if you're a resident of the city of Shreveport, as a result of all of this overbilling that was started in the previous administration, again, you know, the Whitehorn was the CAO. He's running to be your sheriff. <laughs> he had a hand in this. There's no, he can't escape this. I mean, and, and I want everybody to know we reached out to him to try to get an interview because we wanted to, we, we kind of wanted to ask about this to which we've heard nothing but crickets, but councilman Taylor, she wanted to know basically who the winners and the losers are, who specifically is this attorney claiming is getting 
you know, uh, a favor and who's not getting a favor. And let's listen to what his comments were. I'm going to just stop it right there. So Lisa Massengill has a, she said, does it matter who it affects? Well, I, I would contend. Yeah, actually it does matter. And cause it matters if let's say, you know, it's only the businesses that are footing all the bill and, and they're not going and reading the residences. Well, that would say to me that maybe the businesses aren't getting a fair treatment. And if it's the other way around, if it's just residential that are having all of theirs read and businesses aren't being read and businesses are getting fa a favorable treatment, that's not right either. Or if it's, I mean, look, I'm not a Shreveport person. What if it's a racial thing? What if it's all white people's meters being read and black people are not? Or if it's black people whose meters are being read and white people are not? Or if it's North Shreveport's are being read, South Shreveport's not, or South Shreveport's read or North Shreveport. Yeah, it actually does matter. And how is the determination and who makes the determination as to which people they're going to, you know, how, how they're going to segregate people? How, who makes that determination? Obviously, it's not the council. Obviously, I mean, you will see here in a minute when the mayor says, I had no idea it's, it's not this mayor, but it had to be the previous administration made the determination. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would be a policy put in place before this mayor. And I mean, how do the, there's gotta be a paper trail of that somewhere, right? Well, yeah, there, that's what they found in the last federal lawsuits that they had. I think there were federal lawsuits, 
I mean, like a list of let's overbill these people. Let's overbill Rex and let's say you and I lived in Shreveport. Let's overbill Rex and Duke. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I don't, I, I think for this attorney to get up and make this claim, I mean, they, there was a lot of them that were dis- dismissive of it, but he's already kicked your teeth in once in a lawsuit or not once, four times. And he's going to come up here again. He sent you a letter in 2021. You ignored it. He comes up here literally to the mic and lays it out for you and tells you this is happening you got to take this serious. You can't dismiss what he's saying. Right, right. Hmm. Very, very interesting. All right. So, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead. I'm not sure where we're in the comments. I've been chasing rabbits with this well, couple of reports te- of people not getting audio. Let me interject for just a second. So let's do a kind of a tech break for 30 seconds. So I've checked on my phone, my iPad, my other MacBook just as a regular Facebook user, and I can hear them talking just fine. So not even through our software. And the majority of folks on Facebook right now that are listening can hear it. So I'm not sure what's going on, folks, other than restart your app, restart the, you know, get completely out of your browser, swipe out of it if you're on mobile, and let us know if you can hear it. Let us know if you're on mobile or if you're coming in through your computer. And... We'll try to track it down after the show. All right. Sorry, Duke. Yeah. So catching up on the comments, you know, absolutely, Lisa, that is exactly, I mean, you were dead on. I knew what you were meaning, but I wanted to go through that exercise of just saying it out loud because it really doesn't matter who, who, you know, or, or which people it is. Everybody should be getting a fair and equal treatment. There shouldn't be any favoritism anywhere across the board in here. And if, uh, government is showing favoritism. You guys have got a heck of a lot of problems here. We know it happens. I mean, and when you have government picking winners and losers, that's called corruption. I mean, it's, right. that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Donna Bartlett points out there are parts of Shreveport that aren't safe to go in. I, you know what? She's absolutely right. There are. And, and, if if the city of Bo- I mean not the city of Bo- if the city of Shreveport can't provide for the safety of its employees to go and do their due diligence and do their job, then they might not should be providing services to those parts of the city, and that's the responsibility of the administration, meaning the council, the mayor and CAO, the the whole lot of them that they should be asking the police chief, why is it unsafe for our meter readers to go read the meters? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had John Nicholson on and, and we kind of alluded to the question of where whether the Caddo Sheriff's Department, you know, should or does or could or, or can assist the city. And while technically they can, you know, they pretty much try to stay out of it. I guess if it was an emergency situation or something and, the, you know, SPD reached out and said, hey, we got to have some deputies. We need some help with, with a particular situation, they would. But it's up. You're right. It's up to the city, and and that falls directly on the mayor's lap. Yeah. So, Councilman Bowman, I'm going to jump ahead. Councilman Bowman, you know, um, she she tried to lay, you know, because what basically what they're they're looking at is they're looking at overall their their system is having problems, and they're facing the fact of whether or not they have to have a rate increase. 
Well, Councilman Bowman was trying to, I, my read, she was trying to blame it on the mayor. And let, let's listen to what she said, and, and y'all, you know, make your judgment. So I don't know. Did you did you read it that way that she was trying to blame the mayor or try to make it look as if it this is the mayor's fault or the mayor's problem or well, uh, you know, as the saying goes, she was trying to throw a little shade that way. It seemed like it to me. I mean, you know, they they have issues and the the only ways that they're going to be able to address it and this this cat here, he he is acknowledging and kind of talking about the problems that they're facing. And he goes into a little bit more depth about the ability of Shreveport to be able to get bond money to, you know, and, and the, the options that you have. And like, if you can't get bond monies, at least at, if you can't even get them, that's one thing. But then if you can't get them at a favorable interest rate, the, you know, the other alternative is you've got to consider raising rates or you've got to consider raising taxes to fund improve you know improvements to the system all right well so I, we've got a few more uh sound bites to that i see you've got mark but i mean where does this go i mean it, it's kind of like a tit for tat yeah I, absolutely and to, and to the point earlier where you know tabitha taylor you know she tries to she she basically asked point blank she wants to know whether or not the mayor knew that or not. And let's play that cut so that folks can watch it. Y'all need to hear it yourself, that the current mayor and what he had to say on the subject. Let's hear his words. Okay, honest enough. Yeah, you heard it. He, he's like, hey, I, I'm hearing it just like you're hearing it. And, I mean, what a, 
I'm going to say it this way. What a turd for the previous administration to leave their languishing around for this administration when they come in. And, and even all these councilmen that you've got a practice that is showing favoritism to some, you know, people in Shreveport, not others. You're screwing others and nobody knows about it and un, until some lawyer that's already been successful in kicking your teeth in before walks up to the mic and says, oh, by the way, you're still doing it, and I'll let you know about it. Well, I, I don't think, well, and look, for those of you on that side of the river, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think very many people have any love lost for the Perkins administration after all the shenanigans that went on with that. Now, it's kind of interesting because Christopher James Norris says, since Mayor Tom has come into office, this current city council has blamed him for every single problem and issue. I'll just say this. He stepped into the position, and the buck stops with the mayor's office. So he may not personally be responsible for it, but he's responsible responsible for trying to fix it. Now, I get this issue that, you know, he said this is the first he's heard of it. I guess we can give him the benefit of the doubt that nobody has reported over billing on their water bills or to the extent that would it, it would rise to the mayor's office. I can't imagine this attorney, I mean... He did this obviously as a surprise deal, but I can't imagine this attorney being ready to walk into a city council, a public meeting, and make these claims without having reached out to the mayor's office first. I could see him doing it if he reached out to the mayor and seems like there was nothing getting done. Heck yeah. Come to city council and put them on blast. Yeah. And, and you said you made a statement just a minute ago saying that, you know, you, the Perkins administration and how, you know, anybody, I don't know that I would agree with that. Obviously, um, Whitehorn was a part of the Perkins administration oh, and yeah, fair point, he, fair point. He just, he just almost skated by with the sheriff's election. I, I mean, and look, he, he, he might end up being the sheriff, you know, coming up pretty soon so yeah that's a fair point now now i want to go back to something earlier now you you know i made a comment earlier when we started the segment talking about you know that that king david may you know be a genius we we may literally <laughs> be look, looking at a genius in both i think i just threw up a little bit in my mouth <laughs> i'm i'm just saying so i want let me let's play this next let's play this next section and then I want you all to listen to this.
So, so what she's saying is, I, I don't think anybody in Shreveport disputes that the water system in Shreveport has a ton of problems. They got problems. No, I don't think anybody disagrees with that, right? Uh, they've got some issues. There is no doubt about that. And it uh, seems to be ongoing issues over multiple administrations. That's right. Well, and the, here's the thing. The one thing we know for a fact is, is what does it take to fix all those problems that you have? It takes money, right? In theory, yes. And if they can't go get bonds and or if they, they can't go get a loan to make the needed repairs or they can't pass a tax, the, the only thing they can do is increase water rates to make all of the repairs. And if the citizens, you know, if, if you all say, Hey, we, we're not going to, we don't want to increase in water rates and they, they can't, the city can't make water anymore. Guess what? They got to get water from somewhere else. Ding, hmm. ding, ding, oh, ding, ding. Let's see. Where's Ooh. that? What's that entity that just put or is in the process or I don't know if they're through or not boring under the red river to put a water line over there. That's right. And, mm. and what did we say? What water? Well, anyway, water, water kidding. everywhere. Nary a drop to drink the rhyme of the ancient Mariner. So Bozier city may end up supplying water to the city of Shreveport. And if well, that ends uh, up becoming the case, King David, I'm going to tell you is genius level. Well, Okay. I may have to concede that. I really, really hate to do that, though. But let's see. What was the... Um, well, I, I can't remember the specifics of that. What would trip them. But according to our benevolent overlords on this side of the river, we've got plenty of water capability to be able to send it back to the other side. Right? That's, that's absolutely right. That's all the infrastructure they put in, and this big old port project is for the sole purpose of selling water so that the city of Bossier, you know, the citizens don't have to see a rate increase. Mm hmm. Seems like we talked about that on another show that we do. Oh, yeah, on Bossier Watch. Yeah. So, so for those of you in the city, you know, in, in Shreveport, one of the one of the issues, the city attorney over there, in which I, I got to tell you, I was impressed with y'all city attorney and and the way that he spoke. Uh, I mean, I, I actually, I I like the way he he carried himself and the way he spoke. Um, but with that said, he you know, one of the issues that what they were saying is is that on these overbilling scenarios, that they're the problem is is that they're estimating. You know, they're, there's not a real number. They're estimating. And if they can't, maybe for the reason uh, uh, safety, like Donna Bartlett was pointing out earlier, or even uh, Miss Bowman Pit bulls was talking in the about, yard, gunshots, I don't know, no flak jackets, whatever. Dirt piled up on the meters, and so they're just not reading them, or they can't get to them, or for whatever reason. But what you have is an estimate, and then... And then I think what Mr. Harper was trying to indicate is that you get one estimate one month based off of the previous month, mm. 
that estimate goes up. Then the next month, there's another estimate based off of the previous estimate because the likelihood of the reason you couldn't go read the meter in the first place is going to be there the second time. So you just get these compounding estimates. So if you're a citizen of Shreveport and you want to know whether or not your meter is actually being read or not being read or estimated, the city attorney explained it. And here he yeah. goes. So very interesting. If you got an E on your water bill, you can take your water bill. <laughs> that is amazing, Val Baker. Y'all can hear Bo like trying to kill somebody coming through my front door. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's the Shreveport Water Department headed your way right now. They found you. Good grief. I hope not. I got a water well and a septic system. So yeah. anyway. So uh yeah, if you got an E on your water bill, that means it's estimated. And if you don't have the E, that means you know, you just heard him say it. Somebody actually read it. And what was amazing to me is if they actually read it, they got a picture. Picture of it. So they must have little iPad type devices or tablets or whatever that they're, that they're taking pictures of them. I want to put a comment up here. Uh, Christopher James Norris says, Cross Lake is a Shreveport source of water, if I can talk tonight. While you are correct for now, Christopher James Norris, we can also assure you that there is a big-ass pipeline going under the Red River to flow water from Bossier back to the other side of the river, being constructed right now if it's not already finished. Well, well, Donna Bartlett, maybe Best 13 is going to start going and reading the meters for the city. Maybe, maybe that is a public-private contract. <laughs> hey, let me share a little story about water that tells meters. Me that's not the case. Let me share a little story about water meters in the city of Ruston, since this is Louisiana watching. This will just take me a moment. But back when I was a teenager and a kid, we lived in Ruston. And uh, my mom and dad had an apartment complex there. And most of the apartments were on one single water meter. So there were 50-something apartments total, 40 of them, including the swimming pool and the laundromat with 12 commercial washing machines were oh all on one meter because it was built back in the 60s or whenever. And they just How put did it they all on figure one out who paid what? Well, they just figured it into the rent. So your rent included your water as part oh, of the rent. All right. Okay. But here's the catch. That water meter was broken for over a decade. It was the water bill for the whole apartment complex, 36,000-gallon pool, and laundromat 
was never more than $100 a month, including a sprinkler system and manicure lawns. We got to where we just turn the sprinklers on and leave them on, drought, it didn't matter, we turn the sprinklers on. The water bill was never over $100 for an entire decade. Now, my dad was smart. He sent multiple registered letters. He would do this every six months when he thought about it to the city to tell them to come out and fix the meter. And they never did. Now, finally, after I moved away from Ruston, they came out and fixed the meter. Holy and they, crap. oh yeah, holy crap. And they tried to sue or, or tried to get dad, mom and dad to pay this water bill that was in excess of, I don't know, 20, 30, $40,000, whatever the amount was. It was crazy. And dad was like, oh, no. He called his attorney, said, I've got all these copies of these registered letters where I told them this water meter was broke and they never would come out here and fix it. I think he had to go in front of the city council and argue, blah, 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 and all that. Anyway, they ended up not having to pay that exorbitantly high water bill, but the city made sure and started reading the meter then. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny you say that about, you know, what, what comes next. Cause, uh, I think this might've been the guy that Robert and Aaron were talking about. Um, but you know, the question arose, can they force us to raise rates? You know, so they, they have no, they have no choice that, you know, they've got to find some sort of, some source of income to, you know, conduct the business of the water system and provide that service to the citizens of Shreveport. And again, um, the, the, the bonds, the, the, they, they've got their back against the wall. And really I think kind of the only option that they have is raising rates. But one of the councilmen asks here and says, can they force us to raise rates? And what if we don't, what, what would happen? So let's listen to that. Basically, what what he he and several of the other councilmen start to enunciate is, is that if we go ahead and raise rates, we're going to have citizens that are not going to be able to pay their bill. And are we going to have something in place to be able to help them and cover their costs? 
<laughs> so they're going to subsidize the water, basically. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, it it may. Well, we I mean, I was reading. Here. I was reading through the comments here, and and I caught we're going to help them with their water rates. That sounds like a subsidy to me. Well, it brings me back to we've been robbing Peter to pay Paul, and Paul's broke. Broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. So, in, in summation, th this guy here, he he really he, he sums it up really well, and we'll. we'll Let's play this last comment, and then we'll wrap this segment up. And he summed it up best. We got social media now. There's no excuse for people not being informed and understanding that they have their backs against the wall. And oh, by the way, what what's the city's solution up to this point? Double bill who you can and take care of your friends at the same time. <laughs> Don't bill them at all. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Welcome I, to Streetport, as David Montgomery says. <laughs> yeah, but and who who would know that on Thursday, February the 29th, which I guess is Leap Day, we would actually say that they, uh, uh, David Montgomery from the Bossier City Council of all places, David Montgomery of all people, may be a genius for getting that water line under the Red River and water going to the west. Maybe we will see, but I I don't know. Something tells me the city of Shreveport's gonna pull out of this. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna get their stuff together over there, double billing or not. Yeah, we'll see. Your wife suggests that they uh, have Manchak to save them. Speaking of which, I mentioned that the other day, and I guess Manchak decided to get out of that game, right? 
Weren't they involved with Shreveport? Well, I'm trying to root that out, and maybe some of our Shreveport viewers may know, but, you know, the the story that was told to me, Rex, was, was that Manshack, you know, offered a, a solution to their problem way back then when this lawsuit apparently was going on back during that time frame. And they tried to get them out of this and tried to fix all of it, but the city of Shreveport didn't want none of it. And so that Manshack is said to have said, eh, we want none of it. And they checked out. Hmm. Now, before I heard that the other day, I was always under the understanding that they were basically kicked out. So I really don't know which it is. I don't we know. We need to dig into the truth. Huh? We have so many things to dig into between Bozier Watch, Louisiana Watch, outdoor stuff, and all that. But, hey, it's fun. Not enough time in a day. Well, not enough time. That is all I have for Shreveport Water tonight. Well, is you did anything? a mighty, mighty fine job of rooting out the water problem. <clears throat> well, or I at think, least digging into it. I think this story is far from over. And I got to tell you, who knew that we would have cats in the background of the Shreveport City Council Chamber meeting? Yeah, I mean, good, good catch there, Val Baker. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the shadow of the cats back there. Oh, wow. She uh, may not... It may not can uh, hear, but dadgum sure can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kill. Oh, well, hold on. We'll show that. So just in case uh, you folks don't know what we're talking about, there are the three. I don't have my cute little hand symbol, but there are three shadows of cats on the back wall behind the attorney and the chairs back there. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> ah, there you go. Way to use those software tools. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, John, John Settle had to have something to do with that. Yeah, must have. All right. Well, Mr. Lowry, um, folks, if y'all don't know, Duke and I are trying to really step on the gas pedal on our podcast and live shows and all that. So make sure if you're on the Louisiana Watch side over here and you don't know about Bozier Watch, jump over there to Bozier Watch on Facebook and YouTube. And like and follow us on Facebook and click that subscribe button on YouTube. Of course, do the same for Louisiana Watch. And then we've already put out one short video with the outdoor news about crawfish farming. We've got another one on tap coming up here within a day or two. I'll finally get it finished. Uh, so we're going to be doing some stuff on the outdoor side in the outdoor news channel. So make sure and go over there and like and follow on Facebook and yeah. hit that darn subscribe button. Yeah, and and to the to the uh, Shreveport folks, hey, we really need your help. You know, getting your Shreveport folks to kind of follow. We're gonna like you see us kind of digging into this council meeting. Yeah, it's a little wonky, it's a little boring, but it you know hopefully it this should have been informative. This is kind of what we've done in Bozier. We've had some success. Uh, we think the public is more informed as a result of those activities. But if people in Shreveport if they don't see it or they don't hear about it you know, um, they're not going to know. So do us a favor as well as go into your friends list and invite them. You can click one button and I think it'll mm -hmm. invite almost all of your friends list to like, you know, this show or to follow yeah. the show. And it's just real easy. One click, help us out. Yes. And if you're in a particular group that's Caddo specific or whatever, or anywhere else in Louisiana for that matter, uh, share it out in there or send us a you know message on Facebook or you can send an email to lawatch at protonmail.com. Uh, 
Um, anyway, and we'll check those groups out and try to join them and try to get the message out and expand the influence of Louisiana Watch so we can get on our soapbox every Thursday evening as well. All right. Appreciate all of y'all watching, and thank you again, Rex. We are out of here. Thank you, Mr. Lowry, for educating us and keeping up with the Shreveport water system. Have a good night. We're out. We're out. <laughs>